Every crisis carries an obligation. An obligation to put principles into practice, an obligation to put your people and your community first. How do we lead ethically in times of crisis? How do we meet the needs of our customers while safeguarding the health of our colleagues and our community? The Butler University Lacey School of Business presents its new podcast channel and a three-part ethics series sponsored by Old National Bank. Join us in conversations with top business leaders as they explore how COVID-19 has affected the way they work and the communities they serve. Welcome to the Lacey School of Business Ethics Series, presented by Old National Bank. I'm Hilary Buttrick, Associate Professor of Business Law at Butler University's Lacey School of Business. In today's podcast, we're having a conversation about ethical leadership in times of crisis as we find ourselves in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. My guest today is Andrew Penka, Executive Director of Supply Chain for the engine business of Cummins. Andrew, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Hillary. Pleasure to be here. I want to start with um, a discussion of Cummins and uh, its view on ethics and the fact that it's been named one of Ethisphere's most ethical companies for several years. What would you say are some of Cummins' core ethical principles, and what do you think sets Cummins apart in the realm of ethics? Sure. Thanks, Hillary. Again, it's great to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I, for you know, Cummins, as we lead the business, whether it's in a time like this or a time when um, you, know, you could call normal, um, Cummins is really driven by its uh, moral compass, and we operate on a, a code of conduct that has uh, kind of ten general principles underneath that. I'm not going to run through all of those, but um, you know, we talk about leading and. Cummins being a very geographically dispersed company operates in over 193 countries around the world. Um, but uh, we always, we talk about following the law everywhere in regulations and requirements. And so we operate um, in those regions and distinct to, to what those legal authorities and others want. Um, we also turn that internally, right? So um, treating everybody with dignity and respect and integrity uh, will compete fairly uh, and honestly wherever we do business. So those are just a, a few things I think um, you know that we focus on in the company to to lead the organization through again like I said it's times like this or uh, through times that you may phrase as as more normal and uh, the thing that to me in terms of separating that I've seen in my 13 year uh, career at Cummins has been from the CEO all the way through the organization but folks at the top of the organization uh, do role model and champion uh, this a uh, code of conduct day in and day out. And you see it with decisions that get made and, and how they lead. And for me, that, that drives it home. How can an adherence to a company's core ethical principles guide its decision-making process in times of crisis? Yeah, I think um, what has been evident throughout this crisis has been you know the adherence to core values, principles, leadership behaviors provides uh, unknown, right? In, amidst an environment of highly, uh, highly unknown things. And so for us, I think this compass and this structure has allowed, at least for me, and I think for our teams and others uh, to help guide decision-making amidst again, a ton of uncertainty. And whether that is uh, again, around operations, people, customers, suppliers, uh, you know, being able to step back and and reflect on um, our core values, our code of conduct, and ultimately at the end of the day, uh, just doing the right thing, right? And I think in many cases, 
we've all been there, whether that's been personal or professional, we kind of tie ourselves into knots and whether that's because of uh, changes in the external environment or conflicts with our own personal beliefs or whatever it may be, we find ourselves kind of really uh, find it difficult to, to stand back and maybe make a decision to move forward. And I think taking a breath and just kind of asking yourself, you know, what is the right thing to do? Um, and for that being such a core of how we do business at Cummins, uh, that has been um, a real guiding light as we've moved through this crisis. It's incredibly beneficial. So your industry, just like every other industry out there, is having to deal with some serious operational changes due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Some of those changes are uh, the way that we have to work day to day. Some of those changes are more external in terms of your supply chain and, and how your products actually get made and distributed, et cetera. Can you talk about some of those um, challenges that you're facing? Yeah, I think, um, you know, certainly the uncertainty and the pace at which things have changed, I think, have caused us to do some things differently. Um, I think what I've noticed, certainly since January, is just the frequency of um, communication and informing all key stakeholders, both internally and externally. Um, and I think also the ability to, to drive collaboration across multiple functions. You know, in any large organization, you will have bureaucracy that builds up. It's just the nature of in uh, any company, particularly a company like Cummins, it's 100 years old. Things get put in place and they stay and then ultimately build. And um, I think this particular crisis, like many of the others that I've been involved in over my 13 years at Cummins, uh, tends to find a way of breaking those down and getting people focused on the task. So I think that certainly has, has been the case. And then I would say, as it relates to supply chain, we've made some um, some transformational changes over the past couple of years. And in terms of in specifically, you know, some of these structures, whether they're organizational structures, processes, um, the way you measure things, the way you execute things, uh, those things oftentimes in a big transformation are done on paper. And you don't get a chance to test those um, maybe for months and sometimes for years. And kind of how we've focused, particularly in our purchasing organization, how we've um, tried to take those resources and focus some on sourcing. So kind of the sourcing of various components and working on the commercial side of things. And then uh, while also having individuals and groups focused on the continuity. So keeping the supply chain moving and keeping plants running, warehouses flowing, transportation moving and, and goods being processed and delivered to, to customers. And so this type of crisis is exactly what you want to have happen to stress test that. And that strategy and that formulation has proved um, very beneficial for us. And we've seen the fruits of that work that was done by uh, the central purchasing team and supply chain teams across the multiple uh, businesses and at the corporate level too. So I think that for us has been uh, has been a, a pleasant surprise in seeing some of the stuff that otherwise you know, until you really got into it of um, either man really outstripping supply or having supply disruptions, you wouldn't have been able to test it. And we've been able to do this at a much sooner time, I think, than people anticipated. Yeah. How have you been able to balance kind of the health and safety of your employees with the need to get the products produced and delivered mm. and out there to customers? How are you managing that? Yeah, I think, um, and that's been one of the more perhaps challenging um, things to manage, you know, in this crisis is Cummins has been deemed in multiple regions around the world as an 
business. You know, so if you think about our products, our products are used in, um, you know, quite frankly, right now, one of the um, perhaps most, um, I guess, rewarding things as you hear about the crisis or you see it on TV and you see fire trucks, you see ambulances, you see semis delivering goods, you see them delivering medical supplies, you see um, hospitals that are in storm-ridden areas that are running on backup power. All of that stuff is powered by Cummins products. You know, not every single one of them, but a good majority in certain markets are powered by Cummins products. And so um, I guess feeling as though you're providing value during the crisis, not only to kind of your direct business or that direct piece of equipment, but seeing how, you know, our people and our employees are able to support um, those that are really helping us get through this crisis has been pretty rewarding. And so I think in our facilities, plants, warehouses, and others, I mean, in our office areas are those areas where um, they don't have an immediate or they don't have a regular necessity to be inside of a facility to work. We've asked those individuals to work remotely. Um, so we're practicing what many other companies are, are doing as well. And then inside of our facilities, you know, exercising the guidance from the CDC, you know, social distancing, screening for folks when they enter and uh, come into our facilities, whether they're employees, visitors, contractors, what have you, um, ensuring we've got proper shift schedules in place and um, just shifts set up so that the density of people is lesser in our plants than it was pre crisis, right, to limit the exposure. So a number of different things that we're doing inside of the facilities to do our best to keep people's health and, and safety at the forefront. And you mentioned the importance of social distancing and following mm -hmm. those guidelines from the CDC. Um, I'm interested to know how you're finding the interplay between Cummins workplace culture and the social distancing guidelines. So much is made of the importance of workplace culture and maintaining um, an ethical workplace. How do you keep that culture alive when we all have to have separation now? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think it's, I think if you looked across the, um, the spectrum of folks within Cummins and perhaps um, you, know, you looked at time spent with Cummins, I think, you know, for those of us that have been at the company a long time and you've just been operating inside of the framework, um, it's just how you do go about doing business, right? And so in terms of decisions we make, uh, interactions we have, uh, whether those decisions are internal or they're external with customers or with suppliers, that is just kind of the framework by which we make decisions. I think where um, the challenge is if you're newer to the organization, perhaps, and you haven't been around it. And so how do we keep people engaged and reinforce, um, you know, the principles and the code of conduct that we have in play? And then I think, you know, certainly you've got variances and expectations, laws, regulations, et cetera, around the globe. And so where you kind of have those two things combined, somebody who's very distant, perhaps, to um, seeing the, um, the center of the organization or the headquarters of the organization and having had the opportunity to work and be around perhaps senior leaders or other leaders on a regular basis to see it, um, you know, that I think can, um, can pose a potential challenge. Although we have, you know, I have not had any experience or any awareness of any challenges we've had in this space. Um, and I think, you know, as, as we look at, um, you know, our, our process, our code of conduct, our uh, approach to ethics, and the access we give to, to employees to, to disclose a, um, what they may view as a, a violation of ethics. You know, a lot of times in, in our facilities, workshops, plants, other, where you 
you have a high concentration of a large number of people, um, you will see issues that come up by just having people around each other, treatment of others or, or other things that come up. And um, I haven't seen the data, but it'd be interesting to look at the data to see if uh, those particular types of cases have dissipated because it's kind of the counter effect. You don't have a lot of people working around each other for extended periods of time on an ongoing basis. So uh, I, like I said, I have not seen the data and I haven't been made aware of any you know, drastic change in, in how we're operating. And again, having been at Cummins for the length that I've been at, I would expect nothing to change, despite the fact that the external environment has changed dramatically. Do you think that the role of ethics in your day-to-day -day work has become more or less relevant uh, now that we're facing this international health crisis? Um, I would say if it's, um, not sure if it's just ethics, if you will, but I think it's, to me, it's more the importance has heightened around the role modeling and championing of our leadership behaviors and core values. And so when we talk about um, integrity in everything that we do, so thinking, saying, and doing exactly as you said you would, um, we talk about extending and creating an environment of caring and um, engagement with our people, um, diversity and inclusion, uh, setting the aim, you know, where, what is the direction in this given environment? You know, those are a couple of our core leadership behaviors overlapped with, with core values. And those to me, I think are, um, have been heightened the importance of, of emphasizing and reinforcing those while also trying to figure out how to do that effectively in an environment such as this, that is so highly at the moment decentralized and remote for people. So you mentioned the importance of being uh, a leader and modeling good leadership behaviors during this time. Um, what do you think is the hardest part of being a leader in an organization now? And what do you think is the best part? Yeah, I think um, maybe I'll start with the best first. <laughs> um, I think for me and then the, the role and the, the function and the area in which I work, and this is for me and just, you know, how I'm wired, but being in the middle of all of it, um, just in the middle of kind of the eye of the storm, you know, the, the supply chain area has been, and we've been at this for since late December, January, you know, so when things started in China and being you know, our heavy presence of both our supply chain through suppliers, both for direct and indirect material, and then our operating environments, our warehouses, our plants, et cetera, we have a heavy concentration in China. And so from the very early days of this crisis, um, it became very real very quickly. And so we've been at it for several months now. And so for me, being in the middle of all of that um, has been, um, it's been energizing, despite the fact that it is, it's taxing, it's tiring. Um, there's lots of worry and concern for people, not only professionally, but their personal health and wellness and families and loved ones, et cetera. Um, and then I, you know, the other thing is I kind of referenced earlier, you know, the team and um, you know, we're being dependent upon not just to keep the company moving and running, but countries, cities, and communities around the world. And to have that higher purpose for me um, and for what we're doing right now, um, I don't know, I'm not sure it gets any, any kind of higher or better than that. Um, the hardest part, I think, as I've mentioned, is demonstrating care and driving engagement for all employees in this remote working environment and how you do that. And 
you know, what I found is, um, and I myself am in a, in a different place of, of what my needs are in terms of kind of care and engagement uh, versus somebody else who may have a different degree of that. And so, you know, there are some people, um, you know, like myself, who for the better part of my career, I've worked remotely um, in other parts of the world for Cummins. And so my um, having to spend most of the day on telecons or video conferences, uh, being remote from my immediate supervisor and some of my teammates is um, somewhat normal, right? It's not terribly different for me. So the adjustment to me and even my family of all four of us being under the same roof for an extended period of time is not so different than what it was like living overseas. Uh, but for others, that's very a significant change and it's hard. So trying to understand where those folks are at and where they sit um, and how they feel and does the use of video help? Um, just a random phone call to check in or a text message to see how people are doing. Um, so I think that is um, probably one of the more difficult parts. And then for me, a big piece of what we do in the supply chain you know, is around the physical environment. And um, I just love going inside of our plants and warehouses and seeing the people doing the work. Um, and when you can't do that, it, it certainly takes a bit of the, the joy and um, you know, enjoyment out of, out of the function and, and out of the job. But it's for good reason and it's, uh, it's certainly necessary. But um, you know, that, that piece has probably been one of the more difficult parts for me. Yeah. And I know that you know, a year ago, none of us could have imagined where we would be sitting and the things that we would be doing right now and the, the type of work we would be called upon uh, to do. What have you learned about yourself as a leader through this experience? Yeah, I think um, for me individually, I guess just further confirmation of what my approach has been, um, I guess as long as I can remember of, of leading others and leading people is that um, you know, people are your most valuable asset, you know, whether they're sitting right next to you or they're you know, 10,000 miles away in a different country. Um, but particularly now, you know, I mean, you take away the ability to use um, instruments, computers, devices, processes, tools, whatever it may be in the physical setting. Um, and you're really boiling it down to um, maybe a computer and a telephone, right? And the individuals behind that, right? And so to me, now when you have such a, an uncertain environment and one that is so remote, um, you know, the, the, the people and their willingness to buy in and follow where the organization is headed, where a leader wants to take them uh, and stay committed to the organization. Um, you know, if you haven't put the time in prior to the crisis with your people, and if you can't find a way or you don't find the right way to treat the people through this, um, you know, I think there'll be you know, consequences for organizations that haven't done that. And I think if you've, if you've done that, you have an organization that does include um, a highly diverse set of individuals, groups, and teams geographically um, and locally. I think as you work through this, you'll come up, we'll come out of it, certainly at Cummins, I think, stronger and, and better for it. But um, that people piece to me, I've said it in classrooms here at Butler and in other settings and with my teams at Cummins, but, you know, I'd gladly trade off the latest and greatest piece of software or hardware. If you gave me the five best people in the room, I'll take that, take that contest any, any day. What do you think is going to be the lasting impact of this experience on the way we work 
going forward? What kind of things are going to carry forward when we ever get back to, you know, the new, new normal, normal, whatever right. that's <laughs> going to look like? Yeah. Right. Um, I, you know, I'm hopeful it's going to open up a greater set of choices for how work gets done. Right. So I think the what, um, some of the what will be new. Um, a lot of the what will be the same as it was there before, but how that gets done, I'm hoping that opens up new ways of doing that. And I hope it, it also opens up receptivity and mindsets to how that gets done. Right. Cause I think in, um, in various organizations you have, um, maybe expectations or you have, um, explicit or implicit standards, right. Or, or means and even cultures within organizations and teams. And, you know, in, in many areas of Cummins, it still is, uh, inside of an office, you know, five days a week and, um, that there's no replacement for kind of the human connection for sure. Um, but I think what this has done for people on both sides, people who have done it and are used to doing it, those that have really never done it and weren't used to it, I'm just hoping it, it kind of opens perspectives, right? And so it, it, I do think as we move forward, just not only coming out of this crisis, but I think with new generations entering the workforce, how you get work done, not only how things are structured, but just kind of physically how and where it gets done will continue to evolve and change. And I think that to me, hopefully that, that opens it up. Um, I also think it, I'm very hopeful that it'll focus, kind of force us to focus on the urgent and or important and critical. And right, so the non-value added stuff that was getting done, um, that does take time, it does take resources, that that stuff can either, either very quickly and early on in this crisis, or as we move through it, be understood and seen to be largely a waste of time. And did we really need to do that? And now we can devote people's time and energy to real value added work or new stuff, you know, stuff we wanted to get to, but for whatever reason, just couldn't get there. Um, and I think specific to the supply chain, I think it's just going to continue to have us assessing proper strategies, investments to build greater agility, flexibility, and responsiveness to the global supply chain. And I think, you know, um, not only were uh, transitions and transformations and movements underway uh, that were maybe driving decisions in supply chain, um, if you look at the trade environment and tariff environment and other things, that was already decisions. And now I think, you know, this uh, will further have us look at how you build redundancy in a and again, like I said, flexibility and responsiveness to not only for these crises, but will also help you navigate other ups and downs of cycles as we move. Well, Andrew, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, we wish the very best to you, to your family, and to your colleagues at Cummins. And uh, we thank you for spending some time with us today at the Lacey School of Business Ethics Series presented by Old National Bank. Take care. Thanks, really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Lacey School of Business Ethics Series, made possible through the generous support of Old National Bank. This podcast has been a production of Butler University's Lacey School of Business. A very special thank you to Bram Shuckles and Kelly Schmidt of the Butler Arts and Events Center for their production assistance. Thanks for listening.